Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we truly thank you for the many, many things you've blessed us with already this day and now the blessed opportunity to get back into your word. Help us now as we do that, as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. God sealed our salvation. There are people that believe that you can lose your salvation, that you can be taken away from being a Christian, that you can mess up and backslide and then wind up in hell. But that's not the case. We know that we are sealed. The Word of God tells us that. One of the verses that add to this confusion to people is found in Revelation chapter 22. In verse 19, it reads, And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life, and out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. So they take that verse and take it out of context and say that if a Christian backslides and then does something against the words of the prophecy of this book or teaches or preaches against it, that then they lose their salvation. They're misinterpreting and misunderstanding where it says book of life. You've got to go back a little further in Revelation and see where he speaks of the books, plural, multiple books. The book of life here is simply everyone in existence. When you become born or when you become conceived, your name is written in a book of life. That is your existence. When you become born again, you get written in another book of life, which is the book of life of the Lamb, known as the Lamb's book of life. Those are the ones that are born again. So there are two books of life. The one he's speaking of there in Revelation is you get taken out of that book of life because you go through the judgment of the great white throne judgment and you go into the second death which is the second and permanent and total separation from God for eternity and cast into the lake of fire, that second death. That's when you get taken out of that book of life. So that's where they get into there and they get confused. They build an entire belief on that one verse or misinterpretation of other verses that you could lose your salvation. You cannot lose your salvation because we are sealed by the power of God, by the indwelling spirit of the Holy Ghost. Therefore, you are Bound to the Lord for eternity. Is it possible for you to backslide and mess up? Sure. Lots of, ref lots of records of people doing that. The Lord can chastise you for that. We're given the chastisements. We've seen some examples of chastisements for the Word of God. We even in Corinthians speaks of that something bad can come upon you. Hardships can come upon you. Disease can come upon you. Even death can come upon you as a result of you becoming a backslider. So we should not backslide because, as he clearly tells us in there, that the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience. That wrath is the suffering that you will suffer in this life and the loss of rewards that you'll have for eternity as a result of being a backslider. So you don't want to backslide. You want to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So we know that we have a seal when we become born again Christian. And we become the adopted into the family of God. In the Gospel of John, is the first place in the Gospels here that we see a reference 
to the creation in the beginning. We have all the way back to Genesis in the beginning, but here in the Gospels of John, we see in the beginning, going all the way back from the very start of everything that we know in existence. In John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. There was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Notice, everyone that comes into the world has been revealed this light. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him... To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of the blood. It isn't that you become a member of the family of God because of your bloodline, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. It isn't that we ourselves or someone else could will us into the family of God reads, but of God. Read that again. Which were born not of the blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. It is of the will of God that we become born again Christians. It's his will that everyone should come. Everyone is called, but everyone does not yield to that call or yield to the will of God. He manifests himself to everyone as he said there in verse 9, there was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. So everyone who comes into the world will be given that opportunity to see God, the Holy Trinity, follow the Son of the Holy Ghost, to know that they exist. And it's up to them to receive that, accept that, apply that, or reject that. And he has provided everyone that whosoever cometh to him, no matter what your bloodline, because he mentioned that there in chapter 1, come to him to receive that salvation. Come to him that we can be born again. A confusing thing for folks, even confusing to Pharisees, because we see the account in John chapter 3, a Pharisee known as Nicodemus, a very profound man, a very wealthy man as well, and a very prominent man within the Pharisees, and very well learned. And he comes to Jesus in chapter 3. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night. Notice, he came to him by night because he didn't want anybody else to see what he was up to. And said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Born again. When you become born again, you get listed in that Lamb's book of life. Nicodemus saith unto him, 
How can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? He was just thinking in the physical world. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. See, verse 6, he clarifies verse 5 there about being born of the water and of the Spirit. Fluid is water, and speaking of being born a human being. Because the spirits, the celestial beings, do not have any opportunity for salvation. They cannot be born again. When they turn against God, they are doomed. No way of salvation for them. But all the humans have this ability to be born again and receive that indwelling spirit. Because when you become born of the spirit, he comes into you and you become born again, your spirit brought back to life. As it continues, Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. We are led and guided by the Spirit of the Holy Ghost. When we yield to that, like the wind blowing leaves across the the pavement, you can see it tumbling, but you can't see the force that's actually making that leaf move. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? A little bit of criticism there. You should know these. He's been given all the teachings available to him of the Old Testament, the prophecies and so forth of the Old Testament. He should have known the revelation of the fulfillment of those right before his face. Verily I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not. How shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? This applies to so many people. They don't believe in the things that they can clearly see right around in front of them. So how are they going to believe something they cannot see? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Verse 15, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Notice, should not perish. And in verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It takes more than an acknowledgement and a belief that Jesus Christ exists to become born again. You must live in him and him in you. You must accept what he has given you. You must receive it. Because the Antichrist bunch believe that Jesus Christ exists. That's why they are contrary to him. Antichrist, they've got to acknowledge that he exists before they could be against him. And that doesn't save them that they acknowledge that he exists. So that's why it says, should not perish. You've got to accept it. Verse 17. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. 
But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So how do you believe in the right way? You've got to break down this word believeth. means by living in. So by living in Jesus Christ, then you have that salvation. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. They love their sins. They want to stay in it. That's why they love the darkness. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved or revealed. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. The Christians want to come to the light. The Christians want to come to judgment to be revealed at what they have done for the Lord so they can receive just reward for that. We have what we identify when we're out there spreading the gospel, the Romans road. There's some awesome verses in there to help lead someone to the Lord, such as Romans 3.23 where it says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In order to get someone saved, you got to first get them lost. you got to know that they're lost. they got to identify and understand that they are lost, that they are doomed if they don't turn from their ways. Like Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's through His power, His might, his finished work that we receive this indwelling spirit and become adopted into family, not by our own works. In Romans ten thirteen, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You truly call upon the name of the Lord, he's going to save you. He's going to save you from the eternity in the lake of fire. That's the saving that he does. And then in Romans 8, let's pick it up in verse 30. Moreover, whom did he predestinate? Them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. See, the Lord calls us in by the work of the Holy Ghost. Predestinated means it was predetermined that there would be a time of availability of salvation. So everyone that responds to that correctly receives salvation. And then verse 31, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? When God is for us, who can possibly go up against God? No one, nothing. He is all-powerful. He that spared not his own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So we become a joint heir with Jesus Christ, which is awesome. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God who also maketh intercession for us? He is the one we're going to be held accountable to. No one else. Come judgment day. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Every single day there are Christians being killed around the world for being Christian. 
but they don't lose their salvation. There is nay in all these things. We are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, there is nothing can separate us from the Lord, from that salvation, from that seal that we receive. No one, nothing is powerful enough to take us out of the hand of God. Like the Lord taught us over in John the Gospel of John, chapter 10. Jesus having a little bit of a discussion with some of the Pharisees and arguing back and forth. And then he points out here in John chapter 10, verse 25, Jesus answered them, I told you and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. See, when we become adopted into the family... We become a joint heir with Jesus Christ, and we become followers of the great shepherd, the one and only shepherd, Jesus Christ. Therefore, he's identifying us as sheep, that we are his followers. As he continues in verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Once you're in his hand, you are sealed, you're protected. No one can pull you out of it. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. No one can take us out of that protective grasp of the Lord. No one, nothing Nothing whatsoever. You must believe that He is who He is, all-powerful, almighty, the Lord. Trust in Him as your Lord and Savior. Repent of your sins. That means to turn away from them. Ask for forgiveness. He forgives you and He comes into you and seals you with the Holy Ghost. Just like He was teaching Martha just shortly before He raised Lazarus from the dead in John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And then the question, believest thou this? Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life? Do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, for the sins of all mankind, past, present, and future? Do you believe that? Do you repent of your sins and ask for forgiveness? If so, then He forgives you and brings you into the family. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, once we become part of the family and left here, for a job, a task. Every one of us is given a specific ordination in our life. That's why we are still here. When we finish the work that He has for us, He'll call us on home. We die this physical death, or the rapture will occur. Either way, our job's done. 
in this stage. Millennial period, another a whole message there of what we have for a thousand years to gain more rewards and works. But here, let's look at what we're doing in this lifetime in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now, Paul was dealing with a little bit of a conflict of different people trying to say that they were followers of him or followers of Apollos or this or that, splits in the early church. And part of that he's putting out here in chapter 3, pick it up in verse 7. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. We've got to make sure that who we are following is Jesus Christ, not anyone else. Not a preacher, not a teacher, not a prophet, minister, missionary, no one. Never, ever follow some other man. Never, ever call any other man a shepherd. A pastor is a servant. A shepherd is a, only Jesus Christ, is the only shepherd. No one else. As he continues... Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Notice, individually you will receive a reward according to what you have done. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Take heed. Be careful in your works for the Lord. you got to do it right. Verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Tried by fire, examined in detail. What was the work? Why was the work done? Who was the work done for? When we look at the different descriptions of this foundational work, he puts it as gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. Tried by fire, we know the wood, hay, and the stubble would be burned up. So what are the works that would be considered wood, hay, or stubble? Those are works that were done for your own selfish gain, whether it be by praise or by financial gain. Whatever your motivation was, when you did a work for the Lord or within the ministry, what did you do that for? For your own honor and glory and praise or profit? Or did you do it for the kingdom? Did you do it for God? The work that you truly do for God with the right attitude is the gold, silver, and precious stones. That will survive. But what if you become a backslider and you do stuff just for your own selfish gain? What happens to you? As it continues, If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. Notice, suffering a loss. That's a loss that you can suffer in this lifetime as well as for eternity that you have lost. It's gone, burned up. You did it for the wrong reason. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself 
shall be saved, yet so as by fire. That's the key verse there. He himself shall be saved. So even if someone winds up becoming a Christian and then is led down the wrong path in false teaching and winds up getting into the ministry just to bring honor and glory to himself, praise to himself, finance to himself, all that gets burned up, but he's still a Christian. Might be a, a pretty unprofitable Christian, but he's still a Christian. He's still saved. But all that loss. For eternity, you're going to have to know that you had blown it, that you had trashed the blessings that could have come to you. You threw away the many, many blessings that you could have had, that then you could have shared with others. It's gone. But we know when we become Christians, just as he said there, that you shall be saved, that we are sealed, like he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. He sealed us. A seal that cannot be broken by man or ourselves even. Because that's sealed by God. And we get that indwelling Spirit coming into us. And when we have that, we have that awareness that He is there and that He is praying for us, that He is guiding us. Like I said back over there in Romans chapter 8, In verse 26, Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Isn't it awesome that even though we might be messing it up and doing it wrong, that the Holy Ghost is in there doing it right for us, and we are sealed by Him? So much available to us. And we have that seal. That should give us the assurance. That should give us the confidence. That should let us know for a fact that we have salvation. Clearly put, like you said earlier in Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Just like it says in the small epistle of John, in John Chapter 1, verse 9, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So it all gets washed away. It's all gone. Don't have to worry about it anymore. Turn on over to 1 John in chapter 5. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. When you're born of God, that's permanent. And everyone that loveth Him that begot loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. The two great commandments that Jesus Christ emphasized, that is to basically love God with all your existence and love others as yourself. When we truly have that kind of love, then we're showing that we are part of the family. For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. This is he that came by water and blood. Notice that reference once again of water and blood. It reads, even Jesus Christ, 
not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. That's the Holy Ghost. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, and the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. That's the Holy Ghost that comes into us, letting us know that God is right there with us. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record, that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you, that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. We have the records, we have the Word of God, we have the assurance in His Word that we are sealed. We have that indwelling Spirit of the Holy Ghost, just like He tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Day of redemption, sealed. That's a seal that no one can break, not even ourselves. So be obedient, be humble, be willing to follow the guidance of the indwelling Spirit of the Holy Ghost that you are sealed by and know that God has sealed you, that your salvation is sealed. So don't let the devil or anyone else, not even yourself, beat you down and make you think that you're unworthy to do a work for the Lord. Get on out there, get forgiveness, and get busy doing the task He has available for all of us to do. Let's pray. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we truly thank You for that seal. That seal of the Holy Ghost that comes upon us when we trust in You as our Lord and Savior. Help us to really acknowledge that. Help us all be the ambassadors that You want us to be. The, the sons and daughters of You. To go out there and behave like that. To bring honor and glory to You in everything that we say, everything that we do, all of our existence. As we pray in Jesus' precious holy name, Amen. Would please.